I've got some bad news. There's more paperwork to fill out. Yeah, if you look carefully at your visa, it says single entry. And I've had people that have come in on that and then, oh, it's a visa, I'll go and come back. Without realizing, you just started the whole process all over again. Hi, welcome back to The Immigrant Fiancé. I'm Dan Gooding, and this time it's all about the adjustment of status paperwork. Despite going through the whole K-1 visa process, now that you're married, well, as Charles said, the process starts all over again, basically. We'll hear more from my chat with the immigration lawyer later on, and from those who've been going through the process, like me. Some people do it like the day after their wedding. Boof, it's posted, I'm just like, I don't know how they managed to do that. I was kind of a bit like, here we go again. More money, more forms, but just got on with it. It does sound stressful, but this is just another step that I will guide you through on your journey as an immigrant fiancé. Well, let's start with a little bit of a recap. The K-1 or fiancé visa is essentially temporary. Despite going through a very long process at times to get hold of one, it essentially allows you a single entry to the United States on the proviso that you will be marrying the partner who sponsored your application. As we've talked about before, as soon as you enter the US and Border Control take your visa packet, a 90-day countdown begins for you to get married. On your visa in your passport, there will be an expiry date, but that is the last day you could have entered the US. The immigration official at the border will most likely handwrite a date over or near the visa. That is the deadline to get married by. Once you are married, the K-1 is basically over and you are now a resident alien. Yes, a resident alien. Not a permanent resident, which means you can travel abroad freely and work. As a resident alien, still sounds a bizarre title, but here we are, and you're waiting for adjustment of status, or AOS, your options are very limited. As a lawyer explained it to me once, you're effectively a prisoner of the USA. Because you cannot leave. Well, no, you can leave, but they might not let you back in. That's because immigration don't look favourably on someone who is trying to apply for a green card, leaving for no valid reason. So, if you left for a holiday or vacation and tried to come back without any sort of travel permit or green card, they could just deny you entry. Also, you can't work. That includes for someone back in your home country, and weirdly, voluntary work is a bit of a grey area too. So, once you are married probably a good idea to apply for that famous green card. I think for us it felt easier because we're at least allowed to like be together throughout the, that process whereas waiting for the K1 paperwork we were still separated and I mean thankfully the paperwork actually whilst having to do a lot more I think it actually didn't take as long. That's encouraging at least from Charlie who got his green card not too long ago after applying in the middle of last year. He spoke to me about filing the adjustment of status paperwork. So did Dean and Kirsty. I found it found it quite easy just to fill it all out. I didn't think it was as stressful as the K one. I don't know about you, but I was kind of a bit like, here we go again. More money, more forms, but just got on with it. I think getting all the evidence wasn't as hard because it wasn't trying to prove to somebody that you are together. It was just kind of everything you've already got really i applied for the adjustment of status the work permit and the travel things i saw if you do all three of them together you just pay the one fee so i thought you know what just do it i did hate filling it all out 
I thought it was so tedious and obviously I was doing it three times so when I got to like the second one halfway through I was kind of like it's the same information I wish I could just photocopy the first one three times but obviously you can't with that. So what exactly is the paperwork that you need? Firstly rather than the US partner applying for their foreign partner as during the K1 this works the other way around. You need to file an I-485 form but that needs to be accompanied by an affidavit of support known as the I-864. This is proof that your new spouse, the US citizen, is able to support the both of you through financial records. This is the baseline for applying and it costs $1,225. Yes, even more money. And that includes the fee for your biometrics appointment, which will come up in a little while. Alongside the 18-page I-485 form and the I-864, you need to include a copy of the approval of your initial K-1 application, if you remember the I-129F all that time ago, a copy of your marriage certificate, two passport-style photos, copies of your passport, your birth certificate, the page in the passport with your visa stamp, your I-94 document, which shows your latest US entry, this can be found online and I will pop the link in the description along with a link to this full list because you're not going to remember that. But there are two other forms that you have the option of filing too. Now they are an application for employment authorization or I-765 and the advanced parole. Remember talking about being a prisoner? This is form I-131. If approved, these would allow you to work and travel before the green card arrives, respectively. Now, here's a moment from my conversation with Charles Cook, an immigration lawyer. A lot of questions that have come up in our group have been, is it worth it applying for those at the moment? Or is it better just to wait it out for the green card? What would well, your you, view be on You're not paying that? anything more for them. Mm. I mean, they're, you're paying for them anyway. Might as well fill the form out and send them in. Because <laughs> uh, first of all, you don't, is your case the one that gets approved in a year or is your case the one that takes three years? So how long could it take to get approval? I mean, you need to do it. You need to file the EAD and the advanced parole because you just don't know. There's a reason. And, and I will tell you one, one secret. You may notice when you look up a local office processing, it gives you a range. It'll say for Atlanta, 13 and a half to 35 months. And a normal human being would think the minimum is 13 and the maximum is 35. That's not what those numbers mean. The first number is a median number. Mm. That is half take more and half take less. So it's a median. So you could take six months in Atlanta, even though it says 13 and a half, you could take 35. The 35 number is the fifth percentile. That means 5% of the cases take that long. Is uh, yours one of those? Yeah. I don't <laughs> could know. Could be, couldn't it? So definitely, you're not. it's, it's included in the 1225 you might as well file it. The travel permit or advanced parole is still a bit of a tricky one. There is no guarantee of approval and it may only be granted for certain emergency circumstances. So clearly none of that feels overwhelming at all. We'll come back to Charles in a little bit for his advice, but how did our newlyweds feel? Some people did it like the day after their wedding. Boof, it's posted. I'm just like, I don't know how they managed to do that. They must have been filling out some stuff beforehand. And then just filled in the rest when they got married or something. And then, you know, how they got their certificate so quickly and everything to post it so fast. I mean, my wedding certificate didn't even come back for like two or three weeks anyway. So I couldn't have done it, you know, quickly. Well, Kirsty took her time getting the paperwork in order. But I wanted to mail mine out before my, um, you know, my I-94 expired, just in case they looked at it and they were like, oh, well, you didn't apply before this. And try and give me any 
grief because I didn't want to annoy them in any way. But I see loads of people apply so much later. And in a way, I do wish maybe I took more time because I was so stressed. And I think maybe I wouldn't have got the FRE then. So it's, it's hard. You kind of overthink everything. And like I said, the paperwork can feel a lot. What did she feel tripped her up? I think it was just like, you know, like when it says like the control number on your visa and everything, like, and they had like another number. And I was like, well, is it this one or that one? Then you read the instructions and then you go back and then, oh, you just, you second guess everything you put in there. And then when it asks things back from the fiance visa, I'm like, they've already got this. So why am I writing all of this in again with all the dates? Because when I called up the USCIS number they had all my stuff on record from the fiance thing so I'm like why did I have to put it all in there three times over again yeah it does feel like you're repeating yourself and for Kirsty, she was filing for her two daughters as well Dean told me there were parts which did feel tricky because there is some questions on there that are difficult like what category visa are you and then to read what category you're applying for can be a bit confusing like it's not straightforward in a list of what you are and you have to kind of like then I've seen people get the household size wrong because that's a bit of a weird question as well. There are a whole range of questions included not just your personal details but a big list of crime related scenarios including asking if you're involved in the Nazi party during the second world war. It's important to remember to check over everything because, especially with that list, which includes asking if you plan to commit certain crimes whilst you're in the States, it can be tempting just to tick no, no, no all the way down and you could get caught out. Charlie and Dean agree that you need to have some help. I think it's important to like make sure you double and triple check everything that you've got is actually like correct so that you don't have to get your requests for evidence because... When we were filing our K-1, I think they said that they needed further evidence and that just like dragged things out like an extra month or two. When we filed the uh, adjustment of status, we like made sure that everything was correct before filing. And thankfully, we never had any requests for further evidence for that. So it kind of made sure our process was way smoother. I think for me, it's just making sure you read the questions properly you read the instructions that's a big thing i printed all the instructions for every form off and i sat and read them then justin sat and read them and then i filled the forms in he checked them then i checked them again just check 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 but there was one worry which was hanging over dean and justin i was more nervous about making a mistake and getting a, a request for evidence which we did get the dreaded birth certificate. That issue of being sent a request for evidence or RFE for your birth certificate again has been a common one in recent months. Which I did send like three copies of the correct one so I don't know what happened there but yeah so we sent all that and we did get the request for evidence and we sent that again and I found it quite straightforward really. If you are asked for one, the RFE will come a little while after you file all the paperwork and usually before the biometrics appointment, although that isn't certain. The RFE could be for anything, from your marriage certificate to more passport photos or financial info from the US spouse. But then you might not be asked for anything at all. If all of this sounds a lot, try not to worry because lots of us have filled all of this out and got it sent off just fine. But maybe you do feel like you need some help. I've seen a bit of an argument going on about, about getting a lawyer or attorney to look over the paperwork. I don't think it's always necessary. I think if you've got a difficult case, maybe. But I think you can do it on your own. But there is someone who would say differently. Well, first of all, I would tell you to use a lawyer, honestly, uh, depending on where you are in the country. 
Remember, immigration's job, their job in this is to see if you have a real marriage. Just because you got a fiancé visa doesn't mean they think it's real. Of course, as an immigration lawyer, Charles would say you need someone like him to get you through the process, and that may well be hugely beneficial. But I wanted to get some advice from him for all of you. So here is nearly three minutes of adjustment of status advice from Charles. So what lawyers tend to do is make sure that, that the train runs on time, so to speak. Now, and also to make sure garbage doesn't get filed. I mean, I've seen people come in and I don't review forms for accuracy, but they'll say, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. And I'll say, well, don't do that. Because if you do that, you're going to have a hard time at your interview. You know, you might want to do, you know, ABC instead. So that's one. Two, you need to have somebody else besides you, if you're doing it yourself, review the forms. It's like anything else you write in life. You didn't answer the question correctly. Like one of my favorite questions, it's not on the green card application, but it's kind of on the green card application. It's this, have you ever committed a crime for which you have not been arrested? God, I love that question. It's just like the ultimate, no, I'm Jesus. Uh, I'm perfect. I have never broken the law in my life. Of course, there's, there's so many crazy laws. Of course, we've all broken a law, right? Well, what, you know, would you answer that question? Yes, no. Obviously, you're saying no. Um, I even had an interview once where they asked it in the question, the op interview, and the person says, yes. And the officer looked up and looked at me and said, you want to talk to your client now? So I'll leave the room. And she came back in, asked the same question. The client says, no. She said, thank you very much, and moved on with it. Officers don't want you to answer yes to that question. So, but you may miss them. You may, I've had people put their wrong birth dates in. Big problem in Europe, right? Yeah, month day days year. the other way around. Yeah. Month day year. <laughs> and I, I can't tell you how many green cards I've seen with the birth date wrong mm. because they're reversed. And then I've seen immigration accuse somebody of fraud for doing that, trying to deceive the government. So yeah, you have some, you have a third, you have a friend, you have a spouse, you have someone else who hasn't spent days on the form, making sure all the information is correct and you filled out all the questions. That's absolutely essential. Number yeah. three, keep a freaking copy of your application. Do not just send in originals and your forms and forget about it. You maintain, you first of all, only send copies of anything. Never send the government an original of anything. Two, you keep, keep a complete literally identical copy from your cover letter, which you should have on it, which lists all the items you're including, all the way to the back page. You make a complete photocopy or scan, and then you send it to the immigration service. People get in trouble all the time. They'll come and see me, I got this issue, and I say, let me see a copy of your application. Oh, I don't have a copy of me. Or they'll give me some printout of some forms they did. Said, this is not a copy of your signed application. And then finally, sign the forms in the right places really important to sign the forms and don't at a certain point you're going to remove conditions don't fake your spouse's signature it's never a good result ever well, there's some great do's and don'ts there and now hopefully your paperwork is good to go remember i've popped links to the sites that you will find useful for this stage and they outline where to send everything and now another wait begins which, as we heard earlier, could literally be any length of time. And I've seen several people who've arrived in the summer of 2021 get their green cards already, whilst others are left waiting, like Kirsty, who watches others progress. Florida seems to be have a lot of people there. And I noticed that's mm. where the couple of like issues with like, the notice of denials and the denial, the two little denial things mm. I've seen, both Florida 
but then I see also people in Florida that just breeze through and they, yeah. one of them's working already because they got their thing approved. It's just like, you know, you never know. And I think it, it doesn't matter what state you're in. It depends, mm. you know, you can be in the same state as someone, but if you live like an hour away, you can get, be better than the person who lives down there. Like I know there's a girl who lives in the same state as me. She applied like two months after and she's already had her biometrics done like two months ago. And I'm like, I'm not even going to yeah. Monday. And it really is at random, it seems. We are dealing with a huge system with different field officers working at different paces. One tiny thing on your form could cause an issue. It has for me, but that's a story for a future episode. What I will say, and I've said it before, you need to make peace with the fact that this is a hard process and it could be a long one. But that wasn't always the case. Next time, I'm going to be sharing more of my conversation with Charles with you. Think about it. You have this one case. I have thousands of cases. And this doesn't happen in every case. But, you know, doing this for thir- more than 30 years, they used to be easier. It used to be easier. He'll talk over how the landscape has changed with immigration and give more advice on the green card process. Thank you to him, as well as Kirsty, Charlie and Dean for joining me. And please make sure you subscribe so you know when the next episodes are out. And give us a follow at Immigrant Fiancé on Twitter and Instagram. I'm Dan Gooding, and I'll speak to you next time.